It's your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to be back for another day and a really good show coming up. A lot of variety on today's show. As I was putting together the plan, I was like, God, I want to get to that. Got to get to this. Got to get to the other thing. Those things specifically are, if you're wondering, uh, Marcus Fuller joins me in a little while here, covers the Gopher basketball team, men's basketball team for the Star Tribune. We will set up the season um, exhibition game tonight against McAllister, Division Three opponent, then opens the season Monday against Bethune-Cookman at Williams Arena. Um, I don't know what the expectations are this season for a team that's finished at the bottom of the Big Ten, each of, Be- each of Ben Johnson's first two seasons, but... Um, I think at least the minimum expectation is that they look better than they have in those two years. I think they have a better roster. I think they have at least a chance to improve, and they will need to do that in order to keep having the chance to improve. Marcus and I will talk about that team and the season ahead here. Like I said, in just a little while, we have a World Series winner. We have another turn of the dial in the Michigan sign-stealing Um debacle and that is related in some ways to the world series winner um and the path they took so i'll get to that in a little while i'm going to run through a few of your listener questions as promised so stay tuned for that uh first though what did i miss let's start with the wolves today we'll go wolves heavy tomorrow so we won't spend a ton of time on that right now chris hines going to join me on tomorrow's show but you know going into this denver game on uh on Wednesday night, it felt like the importance level in that one was about a 9 for the Wolves out of 10. I know it was only game 4 out of 82 in a long NBA season, but you start the year 1-2, and two, you blow a 19-point halftime lead at Atlanta, which is not a great team. I don't even know if they're a good team this year. They're an okay team. Um, and you're just not looking the way you really want to look or expect to look. And then you greet the undefeated defending NBA champs into target center and game could have gone one of two ways, right? You've got an opportunity to put together a good performance and feel good about yourself, or you have a chance to finish the game and feel bad and you're one and three. And it's not like all hope is lost. It's not like the season is saved either way, but it felt like for game four, this one was pretty important. For the Nuggets, it was probably an importance level about a two or three on a scale of one to 10. If we're being honest, they didn't need it. They didn't care about it nearly as much as the Wolves did. I think that showed in a good way on Wednesday night, Wolves win uh, pretty convincingly, pretty handily, uh, 110 to 89. Had another 19 point halftime lead. This time they were able to not only hold on to it, but, but maintain a fairly firm grip over it. Uh, didn't feel like that one was slipping away really at any point. And that's a good sign for the Wolves, who, like we've talked about plenty of times, have had a history, have had a recent history of letting leads go of not taking you know not taking teams seriously denver is definitely a team they would take seriously no matter what but a good kind of veteran style performance mike conley uh, a big part of it especially in the third quarter making sure that that lead doesn't slip away that they're getting good shots making good shots staying under control um 
So Wolves back to two and two now. Good game for Anthony Edwards. I thought Carl Anthony Towns was good on defense. It, you know, they only gave up 89 points. Their defense is very good. I know they gave up a bunch of points to the Hawks the other night, 127. And I kind of got a little bit silly on Twitter, you know, putting great defensive team in quote marks. But this is, this is a team that should be very good on defense. And in three out of four games, they have in fact been very good on defense. So I think they can legitimately claim that to be kind of their hallmark, their calling card this season, especially when you look at their roster. Now what we need to see is a consistency of this sort of effort. You're not gonna you're not gonna be this great every night, I wouldn't say. You know, you beat the defending champs by twenty. But can you find that consistency of effort? Can you can your can your kind of baseline be eighty or ninety percent of your best? Even if it's not your best performance, can your hundred percent effort lead to eighty or ninety percent of your best um, outcomes most of the time instead of 50%. I think the Wolves play too much at too much below their peak level. I think Chris Finch's quote after this win kind of got to the heart of that. He said, the maturity comes when you stack performances like this on top of each other. So that remains to be seen. But this was a great focused effort. Indeed, Wolves want to see more of that. Finch wants to see more of that. Fans already mad at Finch, things like that. Um, I don't, I don't know if he, he was definitely not the problem in this game. He was definitely part of a good game plan. So, where do they go from here? Where can they take this performance? Can they stack them on top of each other? If they can, then maybe we can say, okay, this is a team that has started to figure things out. But until then, they're just a team that looks good some nights, doesn't look good the other nights, and that is the sort of inconsistency that will get you in trouble more often than not. Check my social media, yeah. Just see who loves me online. Hashtag blessed life. Let's run through some of your questions as that uh, as that song intro would uh, signify. Um, we kind of start with Bally Sports North, you guys. Um, everything I talked about in the intro with that Wolves game, I gleaned from Chris Hines' game story, box scores, highlights, things like that. I was not able to watch the game. I am one of those folks who relies on the Bally Sports Plus app. I pay $20 a month for it to watch the Wolves and Wild during the during the fall and winter. And, you know, last year was the first year of it, and I thought it worked pretty well. It went relatively fine. It wasn't perfect, but I feel like I don't remember many, if all, if any, instances where I just flat out couldn't get access to something there might have been like glitches for a a couple minutes but those were resolved those you come to expect from you know from technology that's just the price of price of doing business with technology this is different you could not watch the monday game at atlanta you might not have wanted to anyway the app was just completely down figured okay it's been a couple days they probably have their act together nope can't even log in i try logging in i'm like well what is this do i need to change my password did i forget my password no the app is just not working. What am I paying twenty dollars a month for? I have no idea. But this is not a good, not a good thing. And I got a lot of questions from you about that and a few others as well. So let's run through a few of those right now. Stinson's Ghost wants to know if these Bally app failures would allow teams to exit their contracts with Bally's. I don't think that would be enough to invalidate a contract. This would have to extend for quite some time beyond this. And these games are still available, you know, on for from all and in, all indications are that if you have 
the you know the direct carriers like direct tv or you know the the cable providers that have ballets you were able to watch the game it's just the app that is not functioning right now so yes while this is frustrating yes while a lot of people are affected while a lot of people are you know not able to watch the games if this is the method you choose i don't think this is going to be the cause for the invalidation of a contract that that seems pretty far-fetched to me now this is not to acknowledge that there aren't problems with Bally Sports, that they're, you know, in this bankruptcy, Diamond Sports in this bankruptcy, that there's a lot of uncertainty right now, a lot to unfold in the coming months. But no, I don't think this is something that is the kind of final straw in all of that. I think this is just a step in the process of the long frustration, the long years long history of frustration that people have with Bally Sports. Had a couple questions and a comment about Dick Bramer as well, the uh, Twins' longtime broadcaster. It was announced earlier this week that he is stepping down, retiring from broadcasting, will stay on with the Twins as a special assistant, but no longer with the Twins as a broadcaster after 40 years as their play-by-play voice. Um, first question with from Brian on Twitter with Dick Bremer stepping aside. What are the chances the Twins are planning to simulcast TV radio commentary as a cost-cutting measure as they move on from Bally Sports? Um, that's an interesting question. Something I've definitely thought about. I've wondered that. I don't have any direct insider information on that. But I will say, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the news release about this was somewhat vague about kind of what their plans are i think we'll know more about their plans in the coming weeks but they are you know the twins are in the midst of re re kind of reimagining their whole tv setup because their contract with bally sports north is up did finish at the end of this season so they do have some some potential some freedom to maybe do something else and if that's a cost saving because they're not going to be making as much money from their new TV deal probably as much as the 54.8 million they were getting from Bally Sports North in the 2023 season that could be one way to do it you could see Corey Provis or the the whole team of you know Twins Radio simulcast on broadcast now i don't know if that's i don't know if that's the way they're going to go but I do wonder about that because of potential cost savings as well. So good question. Something that bears watching going forward. Andrew on email was wondering if uh, he responded to the uh, the shout out for for, co- for questions online yesterday's podcast. Wants to know if I think Dick Bremer was forced to retire. I don't know that. Um, I was interesting to me that um, I was told Dick Bremer wasn't doing any media this week. Um, I tried to reach out to Twins President Dave St. Peter, and he's not ready to talk right now. I think a lot of that's probably because they're in the midst of negotiations with what they're going to do with their new TV deal and stuff like that. So got a great relationship with with Dave St. Peter, and I respect that. But I was struck by the fact that, that Dick Bramer wasn't doing media. And it could just be that he's got other things going on right now. But the timing of everything, the fact that there wasn't like a big send-off during the season, it did make me wonder how this decision was reached. So if you have questions, I still have questions too. And I will be asking those questions when I get a chance to do so. One more Dick Bramer thought from Carl on email. He said, if you chance to get to pass this along to Dick, and I'm going to do that over this podcast right now, uh, please do. He said, Dick, you will not know this, but when I have watched and listened to you over the last 40 years, it is almost like watching the twins with a neighbor. You make me laugh a lot, especially as the stuff we as Minnesotans do and say. I'm sure you as my neighbor would not be surprised if we ended up laughing at some dumb joke about Ludafisk. I was at a game this fall wearing a turtle hat. You saw it, and I think you said, who is that guy with the turtle hat? One more chuckle for me. Bless you. I will always think of you as a friend and a very good neighbor. 
Carl. Now that's that's a nice sentiment. Really like that, and that's you know that's what's lost sometimes if you make a change like this, right? Like there's definitely people who have watched, listened to Dick Bramer over the years, think of him as a trusted voice. That will be missing in 2024, and it remains to be seen what will be taking its place. Final one from disappointed Minnesota sports fans. This is more of a kind of just a fun question. Who sees the second round of the playoffs first as a Minnesota athlete? Justin Jefferson, Anthony Edwards, or Kirill Kaprizov? I thought about this for a while um, last night, and it's a good question because there's a lot to unpack there. You know, Justin Jefferson... He has the first chance to do it, obviously, if the Vikings can rally. And all they have to do is win one game, and they are into the second round of the playoffs. So I'd say Justin Jefferson's path is the clearest, at least most immediately. Kirill Kaprizov, you know, the NHL is so volatile, it sometimes is easier to advance to the second round of the playoffs in that league just because, you know, you get a hot goalie or you get a few bounces in the first round if you get in and you can get there. Now, I don't know if the Wild are going to be that kind of team this season, so I do wonder about that. It's kind of a slow go early this year, although Matt Boldy back tonight, it sounds like, so maybe they can get some things going. Anthony Edwards, if you're banking on the Wolves getting to the second round of the playoffs, that's only happened once in their entire existence, but they have made the playoffs each of the last two years. They do have a team that, if they get their act together this year, could be you know a top four, top six seed, go straight into that playoffs, and depending on the matchup, could advance to the second round. So it is a tricky question. I don't know if there's a perfect answer. I'm going to say I think Justin Jefferson, just because... I think that I think the Vikings the the path just because of the path being a little bit more clear I'd probably go Jefferson Edwards and then Kaprizov in terms of order of who I think is going to get to the second round first although I think Kaprizov might have the best chance of winning a championship in the next five years if that makes any sense so thanks everybody for your questions please send me more if you want to and we'll get to them in a future episode. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. It's November, in case it snuck up on you. It snuck up on me a little bit, and that means it is gopher basketball season. Marcus Fuller, beat writer for the Star Tribune, is with me today. There is a exhibition game, Marcus, Thursday night against Division Three McAllister. And then the season starts for real on Monday against Bethune-Cookman. Um, you know, again, year three of Ben Johnson, I think we, we look at the roster and it looks better, but you know, still some still some holes there. I saw they're picked 14th, dead last in the Big Ten by you know the by the voters by the you know by the media. So what what do we what do we make of what do we make not of by me? Is, not by you. What what do we make <laughs> at the outset here? Uh, um, yeah. First of all, always good to be on here talking go for hoops, um, especially when it's around the corner. You know, I know I've talked a couple times on here, and you're like, hey, we got other stuff going on, right? Um, but uh, you know. I, I think uh, first off, I didn't, or second off, I didn't pick them last um, the last two years. 
I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. I, sh- I should have published that, by the way, then I get credit if they didn't. But uh, no, I think a lot of that is just, you know, who's returning, um, who's gone. I think uh, the last few years under Ben Johnson, they've lost a lot of talent, lost a lot of players uh, to the portal. And then, you know, it's about who is replacing them. You know, the newcomers are a little bit of a question mark, not in the fact that they haven't produced at other schools, but just about what they're going to do in the Big Ten. So the fact that they're if you have a lot of newcomers, a lot of, have a lot of questions. Uh, Dawson Garcia is certainly an all Big Ten preseason player. Um, but again, uh, you know, a lot of the, the media folk that don't cover the team like I do, you know, they're asking me, like, who are these guys, these new guys? And they just don't know. And there's a lot more stability for some of these other teams um you know than the gophers but i you know again i would be shocked if they finished last um the last two years they definitely surprised me i think the first year uh people expected that because he lost 10 players there were quite a few newcomers they they surprised everybody starting 10 and 1 right at at that point you know they're thinking oh man you know how high can this team finish um you know so i I think there's just a, a difference in uh, starts from the last two years started off fast in Ben's first year, second year, uh, last season, they really struggled early. Um, you know, this year, the, the non-conference schedule, um, you know, it's, it's pretty soft for a team who really needs to build that confidence needs to, you know, build that momentum. Um, they don't play, uh, they only play one high major opponent in non-conference, which is a home game versus Missouri, a home and home should be a really good test for them. Uh, but, you know, in, in this day and age, I mean, we just saw a former Gopher recruit, Dennis Evans, Louisville team lose to Division II team in, in exhibition. So, you know, you don't look at the the name on the uh, jersey or, or, or the name on the schedule and say, hey, we, we got an easy night. Because uh, when your team like the Gophers or even Louisville who struggled last year, every single game, including an exhibition game, uh, is something that, that uh, if you don't come to play, um, it'll be tough. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of rough play the last two years, like you said, that the Big Ten finishes not what they wanted. Um, you have them again, the the media, not you, but the media at large, picking them to finish last again this year. You had the the secret scrimmage that apparently isn't so secret, where they lost. I saw the score tweeted as eighty seven to forty nine, and it's a scrimmage, so who knows what to make of that. But I didn't, I didn't read almost all the 300 comments on gopher hole, but there's a lot of people that were up in arms that are, that are down on the season already because of that. What do you make of that scrimmage and and why should people be maybe more forgiving or a little bit more optimistic at the outset of this year relative to other seasons? Yeah. I didn't know you based the whole season on a scrimmage that nobody can see. Um, That's pretty surprising. I mean, if they would have beaten Colorado State by 50, would that make a difference? You know, I mean, that, 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 that the game didn't count. Um, ben Johnson talked to us today about, um, you know, what the scrimmage was actually entailed. That They broke it up into two 20-minute halves. Um, start, stop, start, stop. They're working on specific things. I mean, he said he played his young players quite a bit. Um, you know, wasn't really focused on too heavy of a defensive sets and things like that. I mean, you know, these guys are working on different things. It's not an actual, it's not a, a like a, a natural game. You know, I mean, they played like a six minute extra period, um, you know, where it was more like a game, you know, so, you know, you can't beat someone by 38 in six minutes. 
So that six minute stretch at the end was more like a game. The two 20 minute halves were, you know, guys stopping the game and working on different situations. And, you know, like he had two different starting lineups in each of the halves. Um, you know, he played Parker Fox and Isaiah Enan quite a bit uh, coming off of two years of missing with injuries. You know, um, Cameron Christie, their high high profile freshman, didn't play. He was sick. You know, there's a lot of variables and factors. And like I said, I mean, if if you beat Colorado State by 38 or you lose to them by 38, I don't think that really matters. Once you play your first game, when it counts, um, that's you know that's that's the the, the true determining factor. Um, and we're going to be able to see him soon here playing McAllister in in Thursday's exhibition. What do you want to see from that game? I mean, obviously, a lot of people are looking to see, you know, improvement. I think, especially from the newcomers, if if you add some talent to what they have coming back, and you can, you know, you've written about this that they have players coming back that you know, really for the first time in in Ben Johnson's tenure, that you look at and you say, okay, this is at least. Maybe not as big of a foundation as you would like, but you you look at Pharrell Payne, you look at Dawson Garcia, guys like that, Joshua Adola Joseph, like guys like that, where you say, okay, you can build around this, but you've got to have more. You've got to have backcourt. You got to have depth. What you know? What do you want to see from especially some of these new players, even if it's just a, an exhibition game against a Division three team? Well, the game doesn't count, but I'd like for them to win first off. Uh, secondly, you know, I I think it starts with Dawson Garcia. You know, how they use him next to Pharrell Payne. Last year, Pharrell Payne only started four games. You know, Dawson started all 26 he played. They were obviously going through him quite a bit um, as their primary post presence when that's maybe not his his strong suit. Um, he does play the stretch four position a lot better. Um, and now that he has, there's a true center next to him, how they use those two in the post is my number one thing I'm looking at. Um, in their first game. And then after that, it's their backcourt. Um, you know, this is all new backcourt, primarily Braden Carrington. Uh, Braden Carrington returns um, after having an injury plagued freshman year. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how he he looks healthy, whole, whole offseason healthy. And then you have two starters, potentially, um, you know, newcomers in Elijah Hawkins and, and I'm sorry, and, and Mike Mitchell Jr. Um, you know, those two, have a lot of experience. I believe they, um, you know, they started over 100 and almost 120 games combined at Pepperdine and, and Howard, respectively. Elijah Hawkins led Howard to the NCAA tournament last year. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's a lot of experience, but it's not high major experience. It's not Big Ten experience. Um, and so how those guys mesh together, you know, Cam Christie is healthy now. He's not sick. He'll actually play this game. Um, and, you know, this is the most talented freshman, um, or I'm sorry, talented guard in the roster. So they're they're going to have to you know find ways to get him heavily involved with those two transfers, uh, and then Braden Carrington as well. So um, again, Payne Garcia, the Pulse. How does that backcourt look? Um, you know, it'd be exciting to see uh, you know fans back in there and in, in, in a game where you you expect them to win. <laughs> you know, because there weren't yeah. that many of them last year. You know, so. Right. Fans can 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 sit there and just watch um, them, you know, play well and 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 just get a little bit more excited than a, a secret scrimmage that nobody saw. You mentioned Parker Fox and Isaiah Enan, two guys who have been beset by injuries the last two years. I feel like we've been talking about the potential of both of those guys, especially Fox, since he came here. 
Um, you know, realistically, how much can they give if healthy? How much time do you think it'll take them to kind of get up to speed after being out for so long? Like, what, what, what's, what's the, what's the kind of prediction for how they fit into what they're trying to do this year? Well, by all accounts, uh, again, secret scrimmage, and everybody seems to know about it. But um, Parker did play well in the in the close scrimmage versus uh, Carl State. He played a lot. You know, they were just trying to get it, get his feet under him and and get him confident. You know, he was real emotional. Um, his first time he played, you know, with the Gophers, um, you know, jersey and against another opponent. And you know, I mean, so. What do I expect from Parker Fox? I, I, you know, a little bit maybe of what we saw or didn't see, but heard about in that yeah. bowl scrim. And then, you know, Isaiah was honest when I talked to him last week. He said I was real nervous in that game. I, you know, I, I maybe wasn't playing, um, you know, the way I'm capable of, and it might take him a little bit of time. But he thought he played a little bit better at the end of the scrimmage. You know, just more comfortable, um, you know, running around and and, and playing against somebody else. So. I think maybe one is maybe co- more confident than the other right now. Um, but, but Isaiah is the one that played in the Big Ten. He's the one that, um, you know, is the longest tenured gopher on this team, played for Patino. And, and he, you know, he had some really nice games as a freshman, sophomore year, dropped off a little bit, but he's got a lot of ability. I think when you focus, if he focuses more on defense is what Ben Johnson said, then he can really help that team. You know, um, I think both guys, a lot of pressure maybe not on them as much you know because you have Garcia and you have Payne and you have some of these other guys that um you know that can are going to be relied on a lot more you know I, I I don't think it's the same situation as Eric Curry um you know a couple of years ago where he was really their only post player right <laughs> and, and you know there was so much responsibility that he had uh, for a guy that came back from so many injuries and he really had a good season but what you have to realize is that was one year removed from a season that he had played coming back from a couple injuries you know so um the fact that these guys you know are, are playing right now and 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 running around and doing things uh healthy is is just i mean that alone um is a big plus um and then you know whatever they provide other than that I mean, I think Ben's going to take. Final thought, Marcus. The scrimmage might have been a secret, but this isn't a secret. It seems to be a uh, a year of uh, maybe pressure is the wrong word, but increased expectations, I would think, both from the external world and probably from Ben Johnson's boss, Mark Coyle. How do you think he's going to handle maybe a little bit more of a microscope this year of you know fans, everybody saying, hey, this is year three, kind of time to get it done, or or you know, it might be time to look elsewhere for for another coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Ben's, uh, you know, he he's used to being under the microscope. I mean, he was an assistant under Richard Pitino, you know, and when they finished with eight wins, you know, and and I'm, it wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, is he on the hot seat or not? Like we are with Ben Johnson right now. No, no, Richard Pitino was definitely on the hot seat. Uh, by far and you know like it was about can they turn it around you know and and Ben's not in that situation now you know it was further down in in Patino's uh, tenure where he was put on that hot seat I believe it was year four Um, and so I think that he understands the climate he understands the expectations 
you know, Coyle is very patient with him. I mean, you don't hire uh, the youngest coach in the Big Ten with no head coaching experience without patience. They gave him an extension last year for a year. You know, whether it was, you know, fans think it was deserved or not. I mean, you can't have a coach without four years to coach a recruit, you know, going to a recruiting cycle. It's not fair to him. So they did that. But I think, you know, you look at this season, they've got more depth. You know, they've got more experience. He has four returning players previous years. He only had he had zero and he had one. So uh, that will help. And, you know, they filled some holes. But the Big Ten, you know, is not going to um, feel sorry for them. You know, they're not going to be like, oh, you know, the Gophers only won two games in Big Ten last year. Uh, you know, I hope they, they hope they're better. No, they're gonna they're gonna be as good as they were last year. Uh, the Big Ten's got Purdue, it's got Michigan State, it's got these tough teams at the top, and then you've got the Wisconsin's and the Illinois and all those teams in the middle that you know at every given night they can you know potentially be a, looking like an NCAA tournament team. So I, I think it's all about how they start off the season. Their non-conference schedule is very favorable. And if they can get a lot of wins early, get a lot of confidence, get these young guys and a guy like Cam Christie and, and Pharrell Payne um, playing at a high level, I mean, who knows how high they can finish in, in the Big Ten this year. Well, but they're not going to finish last, according to Marcus Fuller, wow. the beat writer. Well, there you go. There, You heard it here first and maybe heard it here exclusively because they probably did get a lot of last place votes to finish last overall in that poll. But, you know, that's why they play the games. They start... Again, um, Thursday night in their in their exhibition game, but then the real games start Monday. Bethune Cookman at Williams Arena should be a lot of fun. I'm I'm interested. I'm curious, willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, willing to say, okay, it's a fresh year, new players, new opportunity. Maybe they can do more with it than they did last year. Um, regardless of what happens, Marcus will be there covering it as he always does and doing a great job. Marcus Fuller, appreciate it, and uh, let's talk soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Appreciate Marcus's perspectives, as always, in a postscript to our conversation. That was recorded on Wednesday afternoon. Um, we learned late Wednesday night, Bobby Knight, the head coach, longtime head coach at Indiana, died age 83. Um, you know, I, I don't have a ton to say about Knight. Um, I, I've just been reading. I've been reading a little bit about, you know, kind of the past, what, uh, you know, obviously knew quite a bit about him before his passing. I just... I'm struggling because I'm reading all these things and saying he had a complicated legacy. He didn't really have a complicated legacy, you guys. He was a temperamental jerk who was a good basketball coach. That's that's who he was. Uh, maybe good is understating it. He was a Hall of Fame basketball coach and a temperamental jerk, and that is who he was. And I am not sorry at all that that style of coaching is no longer part of mainstream sports. I'm I'm glad that that is no longer how we are treating high school, college age kids. Um, and that's a, that is, I guess, is my final word on, on that. Let's finish with the cooler. The Rangers are first time World Series champs knocked off the Diamondbacks in five games, finished that off on Wednesday night. So that is their journey that is their congratulations to them 
beat the Astros along the way, which is a good thing always whenever the Astros are eliminated. Still have the taint of those cheating scandal years on them, I think. And maybe if some of you have moved on, I have not. So when Houston lost to Texas, I immediately became a Texas backer in the back of my mind. So good for the Rangers. Good to see them get their first championship. Good to see them um, kind of finish things off against the Diamondbacks. And congratulations to them. And, you know, just as we moved uh, moved on, you know, some people have moved on from uh, the Houston sign-stealing uh, fiasco. Um, Michigan's very fresh. Big Ten coaches meeting with the commissioner apparently late Wednesday. Jim Harbaugh excused himself from the call so they could talk freely, and it sounds like they are mad. They are so mad about this sideline sign-stealing fiasco going on at Michigan, and I don't blame them. They're, they're trying to kind of trying to express what a competitive advantage Michigan had from all this, and they want some actions taken as soon as possible. So keep an eye on that. These, these, these you know, scandals tend to drag on for months, years, things like that. But this is one where you could see something, you know, some sort of action, some sort of, I don't know what they would do immediately, but some sort of action quickly rather than dragging it out and we forget about it. So pay attention to that we're definitely all paying attention to that but that is a new development in that case that will do it for me today like i said chris hine on tomorrow here to talk more timberwolves until then i am michael rand back at it again tomorrow <laughs>